0: Welcome back to Mothers of Multifamily. I'm super excited. Today's mom, my guest today, she is amazing. And I love this day. I love getting to interview all these mothers that are in multifamily doing their business because I get to ask them one question. And that question is, how do you do it? How do you lift your families and lift your businesses and do all that you do and still take care of yourself? So if you love what you hear today, please rate, review, and subscribe. So today's guest is no joke. I love this woman. I've been trying to get her on the podcast and on my YouTube channel for what seems like months now, her name is Emma Powell. Emma Powell is the owner operator of high rise group, along with her husband of 23 years, Troy Powell, acquiring 92 units in their first 18 months. They currently live in Salt Lake City, Utah after 20 years in Austin, Texas, and are the parents of six homeschooled children ages 22 to eight. Recently, she has had she has 66 more units under contract and a new development mid-rise in a downtown Salt Lake Opportunity Zone. They have extensive con- uh, construction management experience, as well as partnering in a variety of deals as private lender, deal sponsor, co-owners. And like, I mean, you get the, you get the idea. Emma is the whole package, and folks, she's a mom. So let's meet Emma. If you'd like, again, if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. That would mean the world to me. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mothers of Multifamily. I, like I said before, I am with one of the just an amazing mama. I mean, you heard everything I just said. We have her here today. Welcome,
1: Emma. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I. I am really excited to be on this show because the feedback that I've been getting lately is the exact theme of the show: is how do you balance uh, motherhood with business? How do you do it? And I haven't had a lot of opportunity to talk about that specifically, so I'm really excited uh, about this episode.
0: I am excited to have you here. I mean, ladies and gents, I don't know if you know this, but I've been trying to get Emma on the show forever, but you know the time period we're in. We're in COVID, we're in homeschooling, we're in all the things that mamas have to deal with. So Emma, how do you do it all? How do you do all the mom stuff, all the investing stuff, all the business building, all the apartment taking down? How do you do it?
1: Um, I used to, when people would ask me that question, like, I don't know how you do it with six kids. And I would say, well, not very well. And I think, (laughs) I think I want (laughs) to I want to expand. Truth yeah, I want to expand <laughs> on the answer a little bit because that was just my quick quip of of how to tell people, uh, just learning to let things go and learning to just lower your expectations. And I think what really drove it home was after my fourth child was born and I went in for the six week appointment, and my midwife was giving me all of the. Uh, postpartum depression questionnaire uh, do you feel sad do you feel any of these things and I was like no i are pretty good like a lot of people brought me in some meals oh my husband's doing this or my friend brought me that and she was asking about housework and childcare and all those other kind of things and I said well you know you know dishes are messy and I don't know I do laundry when people run out of clothes and and um and she just leaned back and she said, You know, you have discovered the secret to life. And I said, What's that? She said, Lowering your expectations.
0: <laughs> if anyone's watching the watching this on YouTube, you can see my tears. Anyone that's listening to the podcast right now, I'm crying right now because that is I'm crying happy tears because that's that is such an amazing mindset. Just you're getting it done when it needs to get done. I mean, you know when you're a new mom, and this is for you new mamas out there, and you know, into your second and third, because I was still doing it to myself. You can't, yep. you feel all this pressure. How did you, how did you not, how did you not think about the pressure of getting the laundry done, getting the dishes done, holding the businesses up and
1: breastfeeding at the same time? Uh, minimalism, uh, the less stuff you have, the less stuff you have to take care of, the less stuff you need to clean. Everything you own could be out and dirty and on the floor and it still wouldn't be that intimidating because it's hardly anything. So we spent a lot of time, Um, getting rid of things and uh, you know the way that we did it when we were new parents uh, is very different than the way that we're doing it now and so um, I think the benefit of having a gray hair in the group like my gray-haired midwife who delivered a thousand babies or when we first started homeschooling going to those meetings with the gray-haired moms who've been doing this for 10 years or 20 years even they really knew what they were doing it's the same way with investing when they want a deal sponsor or they want to have somebody who's done that type of a project before to sponsor the loan or just prove that you can do it, you go find the gray hair and they sit basically on your board and they advise you That tribe of people, no matter what you're doing, whether it's homeschooling or whether it's real estate investing or whether it's momming, um, the, like I said, the midwife, just having them there to advise and give you that perspective uh, is really helpful. And I think um, the other thing that I learned was this, this is when it was really driven home to me when I got into real estate a couple of years ago, is my family member, one in particular, was asking, "Just this is so risky, I'm so worried about you, I just don't know how you're going to be able to do this. I want to be supportive, but it's terrifying. And um, and I thought, I said, do you remember a couple of years ago when I first started homeschooling, especially unschooling, and you came to me and you said, oh, we're really worried about your kids. And I mean, I, I, we all hope you're successful and we all hope the kids turn out great. She said, but we watch what you're doing it just seems crazy. Why, why? And I said, it's only crazy because you don't know anything about it. You haven't sat there in all of these meetings. You haven't sat there in all of these groups. You have not been educating yourself, reading these books and talking to these gray hairs who are the pioneers and who have, who have trailblazed this. And I'm just following what they're doing. I'm not making this up as I go along, I'm not flying by the seat of my pants with any of this. Just like you would research real estate, you research how you're gonna parent, how you're gonna homeschool, and you surround yourself with people who've done it that you wanna emulate. And so I told her, so do you remember that unschooling freak out that you had a couple of years ago <laughs> that, uh, and now I'm doing the same thing as real estate, I'm surrounding myself with experts, networking, researching, trying, learning by doing and adjusting, You know, micro baby steps and then pivoting. It's the same thing. The more you know about something and the more you surround yourself with the experts in that field, uh, the more um, safely you can do it or the less risk you undertake when you're doing it. So to me, when I talk about unschooling and I talk about minimalism and all these things, people sometimes think that I'm being so weird and so risky. There are a lot of us out there doing this and there's a lot of support and a lot of education. You just have to go out and find it.
0: There's so much I wanna touch upon with everything you just said that I'm gonna just come to the first thing that comes into my head. Okay, so gray hairs. I absolutely know what you're talking about, but please like extend on that thought process and the fact that even before real estate, you already knew, okay, I am about to have a child. I need to basically find a mentor on how to raise my family or my children. Why aren't more mothers told this? Uh, I remember as a first time mom, I was thinking to myself, I needed to do it all on my own. Why aren't we told? Basically find a midwife, find a mother that's maybe not your own mom. I mean, your own mom is great, but find
1: those that have already done it. Why, don't, why aren't we told this? Um, I, I'm not sure that we're not told. I think that something culturally tells us that we're a very independent culture and we're getting a lot of that now with the coronavirus about how all oh, you, all you Americans are making each other sick because you're so independent and you won't just follow instructions and wear the mask and shut down your businesses. And we have had that reputation for years. And so even though people might be telling us this, we're not listening. Um, I have the benefit that I'm also from a large family and I'm the youngest daughter. And so when I got married, my sisters were trailblazing the mama path and I would call them and ask them for advice. And I, I used to watch them make mistakes as a kid growing up and think, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it that way. I'm gonna do it this way. Or I'd watch them being successful and I would wanna emulate that. So good examples and bad examples. Uh, so that was a mindset of mine from very early on. Watch what other people are doing and learn from, learn from them. Uh, and it's probably just by nature being on the tail end of a large family like that. But at the same time, um, I was able to take their advice and they would recommend books and philosophies and things that really worked for them. And I would try it out. Sometimes I get a little too sucked in and then I would realize it really wasn't speaking to me. It wasn't working for me and the ability to be able to go find a new tribe or a different philosophy that spoke more to, to my inner, my inner self or my, to my integrity as as just a mom, um, I was able to go and find different groups. I think the internet has really changed that. Uh, But I found my first group when my second child was about three months old. It was an email list back in those days. And um, those women have changed my life. Uh, Here we are, that son, he's 19 years old. And uh, we've now migrated over to social media. And it's a private group, we don't let anybody else in anymore. And every time we travel, we uh, post in there where we're gonna be and we meet up and post pictures. And, and these women have become genuine friends to me, even though I've only met a, less than half of them. Uh, but I've known them for 20 years, how can you not feel a connection with them? And what I lacked in my personal life of being able to have friends in my real life has always been really challenging for me. Um, but in the online community, I found a wide variety of women from every political party and persuasion to every religion. I mean, it's a very, very diverse group to, to the races, to even the ages, to the number of kids um, and learning all from each other in a place of just true giving as um, has really impacted the direction of, of how I look at motherhood, because it's like an entire group of peers and gray hairs. Working together to just help each other with no ulterior motive, other than just being friends. That gives me
0: all like the warm feelings and just the amazingness because you you created or not created but you joined this amazing tribe long ago and I mean nineteen years mm-hmm. about nineteen years ago and you have stuck with this tribe. I mean this is what Mama's. I know you're listening to this. Listen to it again. Even like hit that fifteen back button. Couple times, re listen to all that because this is the key thing about creating a tribe or joining a tribe. It, I mean, you're a prime example of it, Emma you have you joined a tribe and you stay with that tribe and it lifts you up find a tribe that lifts you up so I want to jump back into something else she talked about about home uh, homeschooling and unschooling and this is sort of a selfish question because I'm trying to decide because right now I, I put my kids back into into public school but it's very it's a different world we all know it's a different world right now and my kids are young enough six four and two and we're about to move. And there's a lot of turmoil for everyone that's listening to this, especially those with school-aged children. What is unschooling and what are, especially now and into the future, what are the pros about homeschooling?
1: Um. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of examples and a couple of stories. Uh, first of all, I've just, I'm in the process of writing some homeschooling entrepreneur articles on LinkedIn. That's just basically the way that we do it. What works for us and challenging people to have that inner th- a thought process like what you're going through right now. I don't know where you're gonna come out from on the other side, but the fact that you're asking yourself these questions and you're associating yourself with people who can give you answers and you can weigh through it all and decide what's best for you, that process is very valuable. So it's just a kind of a chronicle of my journey of going through that process and where we ended up. So uh, to start with what is unschooling, Um, I used to think it was homeschooling for lazy moms and I often felt guilty about it. And I felt like um, that if I was a good mom, a good homeschooler, I would be more actively involved in the workbooks and Mama on the whiteboard and let's show everybody sit in the schoolroom. And and I felt uh, the biggest obstacle for me to be a great unschooler was my own guilt. Um, and I would project that guilt onto my kids, and they felt like they were bad kids or bad students because they weren't self-educating with the textbooks and the because we didn't know what school is supposed to look like without an actual school. So it's basically just learning from life. You create a rich environment and give them a lot of opportunities to learn. And from that, they are going to walk away with the basics of an academic education. And what really drove that home to me were were two times I, I was in a live group in Austin of unschoolers and we were sitting around the table and, and one of the gray hairs uh, was a pediatrician and she'd been unschooling her kids and they were all young adults. And one woman who was new, she said, oh, well, we do this and we do that. And she said, but I can't help feeling like we should be doing more. And the pediatrician said, well, if you are having a lot of fun and you're feeling like it's too easy, that means that you're doing it correctly. And so that was just like, wow, oh, this was washed, starting, the starting to wash away all that guilt and that moment anxiety. And so the second story um, was very similar to that. It was in the same group. It was in our Yahoo group back before social media. And one woman came in and we see this conflict a lot between the moms and the dads, the, the stay at home moms, especially who have the bulk of the responsibility for child rearing. She'll be drawn to homeschooling or especially if she's drawn to unschooling and the husband's like, we're not doing that. That's weird. I want you to homeschool my kids this way while I go off to work and they argue a lot about how he won't let her do it the way that she wants to do it and she said um, she said my husband says doesn't it seem like we should be at least teaching them the basics and this gray hair in the group wrote back and she said she says in your loving and literate household do you think it's even possible for your kids to escape without the basics it happens automatically just by living They're going to learn how to read, do basic arithmetic, basic history, because you are a loving and literate parent. It's impossible to not get away with the basics. And then that was really interesting because it it led into the conversation of advanced academics and how that isn't as natural. And then how we're supposed to be the enablers and to helping our kids get the resources they need for the more advanced academics. So what I started focusing on was truly unschooling the kids. They only play. They just play, they play all day. Sometimes I play with them, sometimes I don't. I like to take them places, museums, parks, things like that. Uh, But we don't limit the television. We don't limit what they're gonna eat. We don't force them to eat this or that. We don't tell them how to play, they know how to play. They know what the most important tools are to their generation just like stone age kids knew that pointed sticks and rocks were very important and they were allowed to play with those seemingly dangerous tools with fire and they'd sit next to their parents and watch them carving a stick or starting a fire and they'd try and touch it and the gray haired grandpa would say oh that's hot and he'd it. i told you that was hot and so that's how we have gone about doing this um which i got all from a book by peter gray it's called free to learn and he explains the uh the uh, hunter-gatherer way of raising children and how far away from that that we've gotten and encouraged us to let our kids play and seemingly even dangerous tools. And that's not just sharp tools. It's things like technology, the television, the phone, the iPad. We're terrified of these things. We are terrified of video games. The amount of shaming that goes on for not only mothers, but also the children who are engaging and using these very important tools. Look what we're doing right now you are watching this podcast or listening to it on a phone or a TV or a YouTube that you also discourage your children from playing with. And if you want them to turn these toys into tools later in their life, you need to be very comfortable with it, very comfortable with it. So we really encourage playing and we don't tell them what's a right way to play and a wrong way to play. And then with the older kids, I say, Uh, someday you need a career and a way to take care of yourself so let's get you some career training whatever that looks like whether it's college starting a business uh, going to trade school and my first three children have chosen all three of those and it's up to me to hook them up with the resources that they need to get that career training. So I focus usually on the one or maybe the two oldest kids while the younger kids are playing. And then when that kid kind of finds their career and they become more independent, I shift focus to the next older one and get them started on their career. And so really I'm only parenting, actively parenting, maybe one kid at a time. Obviously, my little kids, as they're playing, they're getting a lot of feedback, a lot of guidance, a lot of how to talk respectfully to one another, how to play kindly, how to have a a conversation with civility, how to problem solve conflict resolution, all those things that we talk about, we model, Um, but there's no, let's open the workbooks to page 34. There's no need. Those basics before about eighth grade or just gonna happen whether you like it or not you don't have to force that at all so minimalism not only in what you possess but also in how much control and academics you're pushing on very young children
0: no no no. you keep on talking I have no questions I just want you to keep on talking because nobody here who's listening to this wants to hear anything out of my mouth so yeah. just pick a <laughs> <and go. laughs> no but seriously everyone everyone who's listening wasn't that amazing seriously so for all you mamas who are thinking about schooling or unschooling, this is actually the first time I've heard that, by the way. That's why my mouth is just kind of like hitting the ground right now. I have a thousand questions on this, but this is also a real estate podcast. So that aside, I am going to drop a link for you to get a hold of Emma, maybe find her on LinkedIn, read those those stories, those those articles that she's gonna be putting there. If you want more information on unschooling, cause I could take the next hour and ask so many questions, very selfish questions yeah. about what and how and when and why, and all those questions about unschooling. Hey guys, again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our show. And if you love what you see, and I know you do, please rate, review, and subscribe. It would mean so much to us. Yeah, it absolutely means the world to us. Helps us get out to a wider audience, really just capture more people that we can help you with this show. Again, you're getting value. Check us out. Thank you again. So grateful to you. But I want to kind of dive into what we sort of started talking about when we first got on, which now makes so much sense because you were saying that In the other room, I like to have my calls. I like to do my business in front of my kids because I want them to learn and I want them to hear exactly how mama does it. And now hearing that you have a 19 year old, that also makes sense. I was like, you have young children that just just took on their first property? That, oh, 19 years old. Okay, that makes sense, so.
1: It wasn't the two oldest. It was the the, uh, third and fourth. Um, because the two oldest have more expenses and they didn't have enough cash to get involved in the deal. I said, Well, you don't have any cash. Sorry, you can't invest with me. So, <laughs> these kinds of hard lessons. And, you know, we were joking when we said that, but we were also being serious. They didn't have any money to put in that deal because they have to pay for more expensive things. And my son is spending a lot of money on video games and learning the hard way that you just missed out on an investment because you play too many video games. And, at a certain point you do have to turn that toy into a tool and he's at the age now where we're like that toy that you got to play with for so many years needs to turn into a tool and and he is learning because he knows and my oldest knows she's 22 that we are not carrying them we are not their problems are not our problems we will help them we will support them we will love them but we are not going to clean up after them and we're not going to enable them to make bad decisions. And so a lot of that is just saying, look, I've given you the tools to go out and make a life for yourself. Uh, Whether it's whatever we agree on, like my 17 year old said, can I live at home for kind of a long time? I'll help pay rent and I'll work and everything. She says, but I don't see any reason that I have to move out. And I said, well, you're right. You don't really have to move out if you don't want to, if that's not a calling to you eventually, you know, she might want to, but it's just being open and very flexible to that most people are like you gotta get out of my house like what are you gonna do so you can move out of my house again asking ourselves culturally why is that so important to us and when i kind of st- stood back with my 19 year old son who was diagnosed with autism last year and we realized he might not be able to live independently for quite a number of years as he works through what his young adult life is going to look like it's going to look different than it does for people who do not have the same thing that he's dealing with um, and I, we used to live in Texas and the, a lot of the Hispanic families, if you didn't get married, you lived at home and you contributed to the family uh, budget by working and paying for the house and all that. That was very normal. And I think, oh, I don't make my kid move out, what are you living at home for? But I realized, well, why not? American culture, again, is very driven on those children being adults at age 18 and, and moving out of the house. And I realized, well, why do we do it that way? Most other cultures don't do it that way. and. And it just kind of opened my mind to saying this kid might be a little different my oldest daughter moved out when she was 18 you know don't let the door hit you on the way out moved on we haven't given her a dime since and this 19 year old might need a little bit more um, a few more years to cook so just being very uh, individualized on how you're going to approach this um, not having hard and fast arbitrary rules like you should be an adult at age 18 for him it's just not working and the 17 year old she doesn't have any special needs She just says, why should I go live in a crappy apartment with ugly furniture? She goes, I wanna buy a house and house hack, and I'm just gonna live at home with you guys if that's okay with you, until I've saved up enough to go house hack. And I think that's an amazing goal. My partner on my Little Rock apartment complex is 27 years old and he lives at home and he has a full-time job. And he says, I'm here doing things that other people are not willing to do, living with my parents, so that I can save up a lot of money and invest in a lot of projects. And his parents are cool with it. Does anybody wonder why he's still living at home? No, it's, it's admirable that he's made that choice yet. Other kids who are not doing that are looked down on. So I feel like it's all about the kids goals, what they're doing, where they're working towards. um, If they are really taking advantage of you or expecting you to enable them versus, um, using using their relationship with you as a way to launch themselves a little bit more steadily into their own futures and so we're really open to a lot of what the kids uh want to do and where they want to go and it's different for all of them and i'm sure we've got three more that are making these decisions Um, i'm sure it'll look different for those three than it did for the older three
0: that is amazing like considering yourself sort of as a launching pad i mean my children are so young i haven't thought that far in the future but maybe I should be just considering myself as a launching pad for whatever it is that they might want to do and just everything that you just said I just seriously I just want you to keep on talking because because this is for me and I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this podcast or on YouTube this is like hashtag mom goals right now because you have I am right now in a very indecisive Position, And I think a lot of people are right now. And it sounds like you made these decisions and you have kind of stuck to these. I wouldn't say hard and fast rules, but you stuck to these rules. And just just hearing you say that my 17 year old, she's like, I just want to stay at home, save up money so I can house hack. I don't even think the word real estate came out of my mouth until maybe 25. But your 17-year-old says, I want a house hack. And that comes from what you you were talking about previously. You talk about and do business in front of your kids. And I think it's, you know, American culture, it's like work is in this box and home is here and play is here and you have vacation time and you get 48 hours for weekends off, maybe.
1: So (laughs) it used to be that way. On the family farm, the dad lived, worked from home you might have been 100 acres away the kids would go out there bring in lunch they'd sit on the creek they'd eat dad was around um, my grandma or my husband's grandma rather had a store in the little town that we lived in in texas uh, which is just a coincidence because we're not from texas um, but she just had his town right on the little main street there back in the 1940s and 50s and they had a grocery store on the first floor and they lived upstairs. And so the dad was kind of back and forth with the kids because they had that apartment above the store. That's normal. What we're doing now with dad being gone 40 hours a week and mom being in charge of the kids, it, it, that's actually the aberration. That's been more recent. Um, and before that, if you had any money, your nanny raised your kids. And so. And so it's it's just the way that we're doing it now. It's just the way that we're doing it now. It doesn't mean it's the way that you have to do it. If that's what works for you and you're happy with it and you love it, go for it. I have one sister. She has a bunch of kids, large family. She's a stay-at-home mom. Um, her her youngest is ten, and people are like, "So when are you gonna go back to work?" And kind of bugging her. She's like, "I like this. I like being a stay-at-home mom. This works for me." All her kids are in public school. I'm like, "Why aren't you homeschooling?" She's, "Cause I don't want to." I just, I'm happy right now the way that it is. And the kids are happy and everybody's doing great. She she and I have very different lifestyles, but all I can say is that she loves her lifestyle and I love my lifestyle. So it's just, like I said, the critical thinking process that you go to to make those decisions, rather than just hitting the default button, being intentional about your lifestyle choices being intentional about what you're researching, what you're learning, what you're looking into, what you're willing to try, um, how long you're willing to try it before you say, you know, this isn't working for me. Because like I said, when I had my first baby, my sister gave me this great book. I really followed it to the T. And after, by the second baby, I was like, I hate this. And I switched because I'd given it a good shake and it worked for her. She raised all her kids according to that philosophy. And I switched. In fact, I almost did a 180. you know, from the baby wise to the attachment parenting, you know, total, total one. Eight. And, uh, and it just, but it gave me a launching off point, something to try, some of the research and then to keep going until I found something that worked. Uh, but I will say, uh, a book that I always recommend people read, uh, two of them that I think are kind of must, must reads for any parents wanting to take a, a little bit of a more relaxed approach to life and to parenting. Cause for me, it's, it, it's afforded an incredible amount of freedom, uh, lower stress. Uh, one is nonviolent communication by M- Marshall Rosenberg. And he talks about how you can't control other people. All you can do is communicate with them and seeking to understand them. And hopefully you can't even control this, that they might understand you and learning that, um, doesn't matter how nicely you ask, they don't have to do it. And I thought, okay, yeah, except for with my kids, right? Cause I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Until I read a book by Alfie Cohn, called unconditional parenting. And I sat back and I thought, oh, I can't control them either. Like they have the right to say no when I say go clean up your room. Like what? And learning what that life would look like. Uh, no punishments, no rewards. I just couldn't even fathom what that type of lifestyle could look like. But the people who recommend that Alpi Cone book to me were all the gray hairs from my unschooling group. And I really loved their lives when I spent time with them, how relaxed they were, what a great relationship where they with their kids. Their kids weren't really rebelling against them because there wasn't anything to rebel against. And they would forge their own path and it was fine with the parents. Whatever whatever you are living your best life, you want to ride a bike and go for a, for a, a ride across the United States and, and live out of a, a saddlebag for two years, great, I'm happy for you. Let's research that together. It's just all the crazy stuff that these kids would come up with these ideas. And none of it was just to make their parents mad. None of it. It was all because they thought something was interesting or fun and the parents said, let's find out more about that. I had very, very um, religiously conservative friends who were taking this approach with their kids and the kid would come in and say, "Uh, I really want this tattoo of this terrible, awful thing that the, the parents completely disagreed with and wasn't their life. And they said, you know what? I recognize your choices are your choices. And if you're gonna do this, Let's find out more about it. Some of the kids would decide, okay, it's expensive. You can get an infection or right? I don't really want a tattoo. I just wanted to see how mom would react, right? But they're putting their own ideologies in their own lives and recognizing that they cannot project those onto the kids, being open to what the kids want to do. And sometimes the kids went off and did weird things, and the parents were like, glad that they're living their best life and I love them. So, watching those parents with those older children when mine were really little was totally eye opening because even though their their kid was going into their super conservative baptist service with uh piercings and a a thing in the hair and and the live-in boyfriend or whatever um it didn't matter the parents were like she's made her choices we made ours and we still love each other we still have a great relationship it doesn't always have to be that extreme and none of my kids have really wanted to you know totally go into left field but uh, with a with terms of like mainstream culture versus, uh, alternative culture. I don't know. I think they think that they were raised totally weird. They're like, Oh, I was unschooled. People are like, what is that? Your parents are crazy. That's weird enough for them. They don't seek out, they don't seek out more. They like to blend in a little bit more, that's just the way they are. I have other parents who are kind of this hippie type where the kids want to just be kind of more conformist and mainstream and the parents have to struggle with it. They're like, wait, you want to go to public school? you want to be this boring career you want to be and the parents can't handle it there's one story a a woman uh, was having her first granddaughter and the daughter wanted to go have the baby in hospital and the mom was like no we home birth and the daughter said i don't want to have home birth just because you're a hippie mom doesn't mean i need to be a hippie and the mom was like okay we're going to the hospital it's okay because no matter what your philosophy is as a parent you're gonna push it onto your kids. Even if even if you want them to be conventional and mainstream, sometimes you want them to be a little bit more alternative and off to the side. And your kid sometimes just has different plans and you just need to get okay with that.
0: Oh my goodness. This would take away the need for punishments. This takes away the need for even telling your child that they're incorrect. Cause sometimes, and then it takes away the need for yeah. feeling guilty. Having to tell your child that they're incorrect for doing something that probably wasn't that bad in the first place.
1: hmm And and that level of control over somebody else's life, first of all, I I personally believe, I don't know if we want to get off into this, I personally believe it's immoral and I'm not willing to do it. Um, I asked my son one time, we were listening to an audiobook. We were in a little homeschool co-op and we were listening to a book that was set in the 1930s and the mom was the school teacher and the son did something he shouldn't have done. And she said, come over here, you're going to get the belt. And he knew they loved their mom and they respected their mom. She in the in the storybook, she was a very good mom and a very good teacher. Um, but the kid at the time, that was the way you handled it. And the kid went over there. Oh, I knew mama was going to give me the belt. And I paused it and I asked my son he even at that young age was having a lot of autistic tendencies and we were really struggling to figure out what was going on. I stopped and I said, if I belted you to get you to do what I wanted, would it work? (laughs) And he said, probably. He's like, you're not going to do that, are you? I said, no, because I'm morally opposed to it, but would it work? And he said, yeah, it would, it would work, but I'm glad that you don't do that. Um, There are certain things that I could do that I could exert more control over my kids and it would probably be effective. Um, Is it right? No, I don't think it's right. And back in the day, you know, my grandma, that same grandma with that old store, uh, her husband told her what to do. She actually even got spanked sometimes by her own husband, that was normal. A lot of the couples that she knew uh, experienced that. And it's not right now, but it was okay back then. And so I have to ask myself, um, the amount of spankings that we got as little kids, it would be completely unacceptable for today's parents to spank and punish their kids in the same way that a lot of us are doing. It's child abuse, but back then it was normal. So what's it gonna be like 20, 30 years from now? We're just entering a phase of, of, I think, a a sense of parenting and, and you can't control people and stop trying. It's just gonna run yourself around in circles and cause you a lot of stress. What was okay back then uh, what was normal back then is not okay and not normal now. Like the dad's working in the store above, living in the apartment above the store. That was normal back then. It's not normal now. It's just, you need to figure out what's gonna work for you. And for me, I have a moral objection to punishing my kids. I also have a moral objection to rewarding or bribing them. Um, we don't need to. We just communicate. Hey, mom's got groceries in the car. Who's going to help mom take groceries in? And one or two of them always come and volunteer. And then the kid who never volunteers, we have a conversation about that. I notice when I come home and I've got groceries and I say, hey, wants to help mom on those groceries, that you usually don't volunteer to help. Why is that? because I would really like it if you did. And then we might come up with a solution where I don't really like doing groceries, and so like, well, what chores do you not mind? I was like, I don't really mind sweeping the floor. And I said, okay, well, how about you and me in charge of sweeping the floor and we'll take care of the groceries. Um, when we as- assign chores, I say, okay, what chore do you hate? And they're like toilets or dishwasher or whatever. And the other one, what chore do you not mind doing? And they say, well, I don't really mind doing this or that. Say, okay, well then I'm not gonna put you in charge of toilets. I'm gonna put you in charge of this other thing. Cause this kid actually said she likes cleaning toilets. I know it's rare, but we just try and go off of, we live in this house together. We all have a role to play. We all have things to do and we gotta keep it clean. So I get, and and I get rid of most of my stuff. They see that as an example. I help them clean up their rooms probably once a quarter. Um, just so they know what it feels like to live in a clean room and to value a clean and organized space. Um, but I'll go in and I'll say, hey, I, you need some help cleaning your room? And sometimes like, no, you you get rid of too much of my stuff. I'm like, okay, that's it. You know, I'll help you just organize it in your closet. And I won't get rid of anything. And after about five minutes, they're like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. It's like, do you want to quit or do you want me to keep going without you? I'm like, no, you can keep going. I said, do I have carte blanche to get rid of stuff or... And they're like, no, don't get rid of anything. Or more often, I say, can you just pick a couple of your favorite items and put those aside to make sure I don't accidentally get rid of something that you love? And then I will go in there and I'll clean the rest of it. And I have not done that a couple of years. They're older now, it's not really that necessary. But when they were little, this is what I did, to teach them how to have a clean and organized room and when it gets messy, it bothers them. And they clean it themselves because they value having it well cared for and clean. I don't have to force them. I just have to help them
0: it's so amazing because none of this none of this is particularly mind blowing but it's mind-blowing at the same time yeah. just teaching by doing yeah boom yeah. it's amazing it's amazing and this i mean just to, again segue into into real estate this is how we learn how to do real estate we we learn by doing we learn by following our mentors we learn by by just following those gray hairs like you say those those people who have done it before us and why not moms who are listening to this and papas too why not do the same with our kids so emma as much as i'd love to do a three-hour special with you just here telling everything about everything (laughs) i don't think we have the time And I really, really want to know how my listeners can get a hold of you, can talk to you, can find out more about what you're doing in real estate. Because as you heard before, Emma has an extensive history in real estate. So Emma, how can my listeners get a hold of you?
1: Um, I use LinkedIn and Facebook pretty heavily. I'm Emma Powell 28 on both those platforms. Uh, So sending me a private message through there. Um, I also have a website at highrise.group and you might need the WW in front of it. You might not, I don't really know. Some people are having, having to do one or the other to get it to load, but just FYI, we're working on that. If you know anything about that, maybe reach out and help me. Um, so highrise.group has a link to schedule a call with me on my calendar and uh, we'll just grab a 30 minutes and chit chat about whatever you want to chit chat about. And, um, like I said, I think one of the things that I've been getting a lot of feedback about is, yeah, you bought a bunch of apartment complexes and you made all this happen, but how? How did you balance your your life? Well, this is how. You have to simplify your business. You have to simplify your life if you wanna be able to do both of them and not go crazy. Think about any good business management book that you have ever read and how it talks about empowering yourself and empowering the people that you work with to be able to become their best self. Read Multipliers. Um, It talks about how we accidentally diminish people, even though we're intending to be great motivators and great leaders, but we may accidentally um, damage them and, and make them perform at lower levels than they can. So Multipliers is another one that helped me in my parenting tremendously, even though it was a business book because nobody is going to write a business management book about how to control your employees and make them earn tokens to get time uh you know their break time i'll give you 15 more minutes on your break time if you do it it's ridiculous yet we do it with children constantly they just don't need it it's just not necessary now are my children going to be doing the same things that your children are absolutely not my kids probably can't do written math very well until they're in about high school and we start focusing on that um, so you have to be okay with the journey looking very different., um, but if you're curious or interested in any of these things and want to know what normal might look like, uh, would love to talk to you more about that how to balance your real estate business with your momness and right now your homeschooling. Yes, all the
0: yeses. and if you're if that was directed exactly to me, I am actually going to go to your website right now and book a call for like for in about fifteen minutes because yep. I couldn't it. Anywho, thank you Emma so much. I have learned so much from you in just this forty-five minutes then then gosh knows where. You are amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you. And I've got a little bit of gray hair
1: that I'm starting to grow. Oh I, yeah. I got you. you go. So you could be the gray hair pretty soon here. <laughs> I'm working on it. I love kind of getting, getting into it. But, um, yeah, it was really pleasure talking with you. I love talking about this stuff because I feel like if there's anything, you can't separate your home life and your business. You absolutely cannot do it. It's kind of like separating your health and fitness from your mental health or your business. It, It, once you're working on becoming a better person, it all kind of happens together and you really can't separate these things out. And so the way that I run my business efficiently, is the same way that I run my personal life. Uh, Efficiently Stop trying to control everybody, everything. Recognize everybody has different gifts to offer. Learn how to multiply them and not diminish them. And you're going to just find your whole life having a lot more harmony. And you're going to be a whole lot more productive.
0: Learn how to multiply, not diminish. Thank you again, Emma. And for everyone who's listening, I'm so grateful. And seriously, look Emma up if you have any questions about mothering, about parenthood, and about real estate. She knows it. Thank you so very much. So grateful.
1: Thanks so much, Peely. It was fun.
0: Join us for your second cup of coffee every Monday through Friday at noon. Live every day, bringing us our best content we've done so far. Super excited, super engaging, bunch of great guests. We're here to answer your questions and we so appreciate you listening. Make sure to check this out. Can't wait to see you.